here with Mark Sanderson, a veteran advocate and uh, the Army veteran in general. Good dude, man. What's up? Telling all the assholes in the room, well, I'm definitely not alone. Well, I'm not alone. You're alive. A really crazy story, man. I kind of like to, I'd like to hear okay, it back. Start, everybody. start off kind of with your background, where you're from. The vet. Um, yeah, I man. Robbie's a great dude. Real quick, I'm Marines, you know, I'm an Army guy, but. Uh, one of my army buddies, he put up on Facebook a while, or no, Instagram a while back. He put up a post for the Marine Corps birthday, just saying how, you know, he's from the army and with the best friends he's had as veterans or Marines. And I got to say it rings true. Like the Marine Corps, uh, you guys are a bunch of great dudes and I've I've honored to have been able to spend a lot of time with Robbie Robbie and other Marines. Oh man. I yeah, I appreciate that. I work with the army now. So Mark Sanderson, it's a brotherhood, man. It's one thing on site, right? Dude was glad to talk with him. All right, so well, you were in the Army, you said the Army, what, 10 years? Yeah, I was in the Army for 10 years. Oh, I grew up in a pretty small know, rural Texas town. A way um, that he it was, you know, pretty much like the cliche varsity blues for the people. most part. Yeah, really, um, really so we just did the whole that, thing. Uh, football, didn't pay attention in school. I always listen. knew I was going to join the military, but I just sticked around. I worked on 6th Street down in Austin and worked at Dell Computer for a while. And then, like, when I was 21, I finally just got bored enough that I actually joined. Uh... The big thing I wanted, I just didn't want to do anything that I could do as a civilian, I guess to say. You know, I didn't want to drive a truck or work on a computer. Yeah, that makes so sense. So I ended I joined thought I was gonna be special forces. That was the whole thing, you know, I was so into it. And then basic training somewhere along the way, I just decided that I just didn't want really want to spend two years in training at that point. You know, the war was going on, it was two thousand and six. And there was a lot or no, it was two thousand and five. There was a lot happening. I kinda of just wanted to try to get into iraq quickly and i didn't want to train for two years right so i dropped that and um just yeah i ended up going to light infantry battalion um we stood up we actually stood the battalion up so it didn't exist i was one of the first 30 guys to get there i was a 21 year old pfc so they frocked me corporal like so i was an e3 corporal in the army at like eight months in in, and that was pretty much that marked my whole career i was always like working a lot further than my pay grade. Right. And, um, I loved it. It was a great time. I led troops my entire military career. Like my entire 10 years, I was pretty much leading troops and it was something I really cared about was taking care of guys. I, I just really found my place, uh, taking care of, you know, groups of soldiers for sure. And, um, you know, it's carried forward in the work I do now, like pretty much everything I do now is taking care of groups of veterans. So it's, it's the same thing. And, it's a really good transitional tool for me. Right. So I know you're, you're involved now with the, the Warriors Keep, right? That's what Robbie was doing. But you had done some stuff prior to that. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? It sounds like it was pretty cool. Yeah. So it was actually, um, it was like, it was almost exactly, I guess, three years ago to 2016. Yeah, three years ago today, that was when, so Standing Rock was going on. It was a Native American land rights issue about a, a uh, oil pipeline that was going to Dakota access pipeline that was going to go under a water source that would have, you know, potentially could have erupted and caused a lot of damage in that area and further down the river. So there was this whole protest going on about it. And there was a whole, you know, everybody's, it was in the middle of leading up to the elections and it was just a super hot, hot time. And everybody was like really triggered. Um, Pretty rough, man. I remember that. That was a big deal, dude, because, you know, Obama had stopped some stuff and then the election, I think, yeah. and then Trump like overturned it. Well, yeah. So we were there. So we were actually there on the day that Obama stopped it. Okay. So 
the first time I went, it, they had just, it was like late. It was like, it was this time. So it was already cold up there. Mm-hmm. And they had just uh, sprayed a whole bunch of people down with water, like out on the bridge in the middle of the night. And, wow. you know, from, from my standpoint, you know, politics are one thing, this, that, or the other. But like, you're letting a corporate group be militarized. You're letting a corporate entity like hire private contractors that are using rules of engagement that are less than we could use in the country. You know what I mean? What would it look like on CNN if there was a checkpoint and it was freezing cold in Afghanistan and a bunch of army dudes and Marines were out there spraying the people down with water. Okay. So you're saying, so you're saying whoever was building the pipeline was actually like hosing protesters. Yeah. So, well, okay. So yeah, I get to give some context, like, um, there was this protest camp built, right. And then there was this bridge and across the other side of the bridge was, where they called the pad, which is where they're actually doing the work, the drill work. Right. So if the protesters would try to approach an area, they would eventually have to cross this bridge. Long story short, eventually this bridge became like a battleground. I mean, I have a, a picture of it. There was, you know, there's T barriers, concertina wire, um, MRAPs, Humvees, all kinds of stuff, man, water trucks. So it was so like just, no shit checkpoint. No, I wasn't a checkpoint. You weren't getting through it. It was a blockade. Well, okay. So yeah, but I mean, it's like what you would see, what we would remember. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I put a picture right? up and I put the bat, the, the, the like thing was battleground North Dakota. Cause it looked like you're looking at a, you know, an enemy or not an enemy, but like a military blockade. Wow. And you know, obviously they were there cause they had to stop the people from moving and you can, you know, so there was a lot going on. It's not like it's, you know, this is bad and that's good. It's not that clear. But in the end, like I said, you have like a corporation, which was Dakota Access Pipeline or Energy Partners, Energy Transfer America. And they have, um, you know, they're empowered and they're employing private security that, like I said, are really operating with loose rules of engagement. That's just on the surface. On the subsurface, there was all sorts of like intelligence and they would send people to the camps to like cause issues. And it, it was a very insane environment, man. Like, wow. you know, I kind of went to just see what it would be like just to experience it. And like I said, it was quite the experience for sure. Um, I mean, I, I ended up getting accused of being everything from like a CIA spy. And, and this is in, there's intelligence documents, the energy transfers of America, like sourced on us. And I'm named in the intelligence documents and, they say that I could be a CIA spy or I could be like a, just a radical member of the, a radical leader of the, I don't remember how they worded it, but like I said, man, they were collecting intelligence on us veterans. who were just up. And what we were actually doing, my group, we founded a kitchen. The first thing we did was we built a barracks up there. So about like $5,000 with the lumber. It was the middle of winter. And there was a ton of veterans at this camp because the camp would kind of attract um, homeless type people, you know, and people with problems. And in that community, there's a lot of veterans. I'm not saying that's all the camp was. I'm just saying there would end up being well, it's, a it's needy a people, community. For sure. It sounds like a lot of people that are probably socially engaged. Right. For sure. Issue and, and really either want to experience or don't have anything else going on. Is that kind of correct? Exactly. The vagrant type veterans, I mean, surely would be. So they were there in the, in the like droves brother. Like, I mean, what about, I, what about like militia members? Was any of that kind of shit going on or? So we, uh, yeah, I mean, so what, when we first went up there, it, there was like this whole movement for veterans, it's called veterans for standing rock. 
and they raised over like three million dollars there's a crazy oh. amount of money and within a week man we had mobilized like i think it was five thousand veterans it was a lot man it, and we don't have a hard number but it was multiple thousands of veterans that we had mobilized yeah, to fun. go to standing rock for sure and i was part of that uh that initial push i just kind of got wrapped up in it like early in the stages and took over uh the getting people transferred up there and it was you know they thinking back it wasn't the best idea because like i said we just got all these people in the middle of this blizzard like on this protest camp right so it's pretty crazy but needless to say um you know it got big on the news i was actually in vice news talking about what we were doing uh there was a whole bunch of news there that weekend, like 15,000 plus other people came. So this camp, we got there and about three days after we got there, it had already, already grown by like 12,000 people pretty much. Like that's how it would, it would come and go and come and go because of the weather. People wouldn't just stay there all the time. Right. Um, but the, Obama actually, he, the week, the, like the Saturday or something, one of the Saturdays we were there, we were there he had announced that he was not going to let them do the drilling. So that was a big party. Everybody was cr like, you know, partying like crazy that night. But that day there was a lot of militia that was actually there. Mm. Um, like white, I mean, they're not white, more like anarchist type guys. More, well, there was like this whole veterans. Like sovereign citizens? Well, there's this whole veterans group and like they were just all like, we were like their backpacks were super heavy. You know, we were watching them because we were running like kind of security. There was no law at all. Mm -hmm. so like we were running our own intelligence on the camp and uh like just my little cell and then we we had the fire department and pretty much more or less like security we were part of the kichita which is their security force mm -hmm. um so you know we were looking for this stuff and nothing happened but i mean it's it's crazy that nothing happened man because i'm telling you like one pipe bomb would a i mean just not even like the damage but just like the flame, you know, how crazy everything was like, not yeah. things aren't that much better now, but how hot everything was back then. But we got through it all. Nobody got killed. Obviously we actually met, um, Tulsi Gabbard, the Hawaiian Congresswoman in front of her, her president. Yeah. She's maybe the only Democrat in the country. I support currently at the, moment. I know man. She's, I mean, I like listening to her talk. I'll tell you that much, but I'm, I'm we a, met her. She, I'm we had like a, for the record, I've become an independent. I don't, I don't take sides, but Tulsi's, I can't, yeah, I can't take sides, but, but I mean, I think it's all like a facade as it is. And there's, you know, not much that can be done one or the other, but, but no, we met her. We had like this little comp, this little, we called it OP black. And she came in there and we gave her a full, like, you know, cause she was in the military. She still is in the military. Right. So we gave her a full brief. I was an E seven in the army. I gave her a full situational brief. Like we would give, you know, an officer visiting For and sure. she really respected it. We had a good conversation. We got a picture together. Awesome. And since she's been running for, um, president, the right wing is actually, they posted the picture a while back and they were saying that it was her with a bunch of Antifa member or Antifa members. Mm -hmm. So it was like, just added to the list. Like one of the other things that I've been, well, that's kind of why I asked about sort of the militia members, because that kind of stuff gets taken out of context really quickly. Like, there's so many little micro groups within all this stuff and like oh no for sure i mean super easy it's as small as a few people yeah so we were on the i was on the ground during the inauguration uh for donald trump and it was another thing just to witness it you know i, I didn't go there with any intention to protest or anything else so just like it's going to be crazy let's go see what it's like and speak to the micro groups you know 
there'd be like a family having a picnic in this park and then like some people walking their dogs and hanging out. There'd be a music thing going on. And then on the other corner of the park, there'd be like a full on riot protest. Right. Like throwing bricks through like the car through windows of like police cruisers and stuff. Like it, it was just really crazy. Like how that stuff is portrayed as like everybody that's there is just doing whatever. But usually it's just smaller groups that do the, the yeah. really crazy well, stuff. Just, it's selective, you know, selective coverage either way you shake it, you know? Oh, for sure. hundred percent, man. Each side picks these little, little portions that they want to portray. So, so at standing rock, was it, I mean, obviously it was like sort of, well, these contractors are going to build this pipeline and then the people, you know, from the, from the local reservation, like, Hey, you're going to potentially contaminate our land or whatever. So like, was it as clear as one side or the other? Or like, were you just in the middle of it? Like, were you just trying to help people out? Like, what was the deal? So like, you know, if you ask me, I do lean towards the, uh, more, we need to respect our environment policy. Uh, I think that anything we can do to make our air and water cleaner is something that we should do i'm not gonna sure. go as far as say that we're definitely gonna die because we're making the earth hot you know that's 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 like the the right that's the less thing and then the right says they're all like you know we need to build a wall because the terrorists are gonna, they all have their little triggers they try to trigger but yeah i totally think that we shouldn't you know put because the, the the river that it actually fed like i mean it fed it would have fed uh, millions and millions of people like downstream for sure um i can't remember like all the numbers and exactly where it went to but it was it fed to a big water system so you know potentially it could that could hurt but they're everywhere man they're not just there there's pipelines all over the place and right there's pollutants all over the place but yeah i tend to think more we should take care of our environment and try to do our best to be good stewards of this earth that we live on especially for our children you know i didn't think i didn't see things that much until i had my kids and as soon as i had my kids it was like I was like an environmental warrior for a little bit, man. I was like, I got to save the planet for my kids, you know? No, I get but it. It, I mean, it changes your perspective. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, when you when you bring a human life in, into the world, you start to think about things a lot differently. And, you know, there's going to be stuff where you're like, man, like, probably could do this better or we we could be better, right? I mean. Right, for sure. It's definitely a hard thing to deal with. Yeah, I mean, I, I think having kids is, you know, like a transition, but it's I think it's great. I know so many veterans that have found a purpose just having kids. I didn't have my kids until I actually was pretty much out of the army. Right. And it was just a great thing for me to do after leaving the military, which just take care of my kids for a while. Right. So from, from standing rock and, and your experience there with other veterans, this organization, uh, veterans respond. You, did you found this? Like, was it born there? Yeah. So it was born, it was literally born from like my advanced team. I put together a team that was going to go ahead of like that big group of veterans that was going. And it was me, uh, a PJ named Joe from Fort Worth, um, a Native American Navy chick named Brandy from Seattle. And she was hard nosed, man. I don't know a ton about the Navy, but she worked in a very masculine career field, like gunnery. She loaded the big guns. I'm not sure. But anyway, she like she's the one of the hardest dudes I know, and she's not even a dude, but she's a, like a lady at the same time. So she's a pretty cool chick. Um, and then our friend Matt from New York, who was a Navy guy as well. So we founded Veterans Respond, 
And then what veterans spawn did really much. We, um, like I said, we built barracks first over there, but then we went back. We went back a couple of months after we had left and we founded a kitchen in this place called the Eagle's nest. So as the months went on, there was obviously more and more veterans that would just gather there. And we fed, we had a Navy chef that went up there and cooked for us. We raised like $40,000, built the kitchen and we're just buying food like left and right. And for the last, 30 days of the until it was actually closed down and they came in and kicked everybody off we maintained that kitchen and we cooked food for everybody i don't remember the exact number of meals but it was it was quite a few meals every day but then after that so that was the end of standing rock you know they shut it down there was nothing else going on pretty much and i was glad i wanted to redirect there was so much heavy crap going on around what we were doing so we just kind of laid dormant for a little bit um and then Hurricane Harvey happened, and we went down there and, and got involved in that. So what were you doing there? Like uh, evacuations? Like what kind of stuff were you doing? And Har- Harvey was nasty business, man. Yeah, I mean, initially, like at the very beginning, it was crazy. You know, it was, everybody was going down there to help. Like I remember we were driving in. We were looking at roads, trying to figure out where we could go and who needed us because so many areas were saturated with like people coming to help. So by the time we got there, we got pushed out to this far eastern county called Orange County, and they had a little fire volunteer fire department. And uh, I had a I had a Navy combat or what was he? He's a paramedic. He's a flight crew flight crew paramedic. So he's combat search and rescue, but they have different combat search and rescue. So he's like a lower tier combat search and rescue, but still he's like a combat search and rescue medic. So right. he had a lot of medic skills. And I had two swift water swimmers that were Navy guys as well. They were all from Seattle. I mean, from uh, San Diego. Okay. Those swift we water- got down. The- yeah, man. What's up? The swift water guys are legit. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I work with veterans, one of the great things about working with a community of veterans and having a network of veterans is you can pretty much pull any skill set you need for the most part. Like the veteran community is just full of so much untapped potential and oh, for sure. it's starting to get tapped, but, but yeah, we always had great dudes that were helping and chicks were helping us out. But, um, by the time we got there, the swift water guys weren't really needed, but you know, they still, they had medical skills and stuff. Our big thing was there was a lady that was in diabetic shock and John, who was the combat search and rescue corpsman. He was like hot on shit. Like he took care of her, assess the situation and you know the, the the whole town is in water we're driving through more water than we should even be driving through in my truck to go to these people so it's not like they could just get an ambulance or figure it out like right she pretty much didn't have any hope that night unless somebody like us showed up and so john took care of her he was even able to source like an insulin pump from across town we so we drove over to this um it was like an old folk old folks home and they hooked us up with some stuff took it back and we stabilized her and then the rest of the time we just worked with the volunteer fire department that it was just pretty much one guy he was actually a gold star family his uh, brother was a marine that died in iraq well but we got to hang out with them we spent a lot of time with them it was pretty cool and um after that we our follow-on mission we brought that same kitchen set up that we had in standing rock and the same chef brought it down there and set it up and they were turning out a thousand meals a week from a church for, I don't even know, like three months at least. And then we'd run demo crews down there to demo out houses. And like I said, it was all like, um, 
healing through service. So, I mean, I'm getting kind of emotional talking about it because we really, it was hard work, you know, but we were just giving back to the community and it, it just, you know, it felt really good. Well, for sure, man. I think that that's a, I think a lot of vets have a hard ass time when they get out because like you give, you gave, like you said, I was in, um, you know, close to 12, you were in 10, Robbie was in a bunch. I mean, uh, it's like you gave up all those years and all you cared about was serving for other people. And then one day that's gone. Right. Definitely. You know, but yeah, it, it, it leaves you looking for what's next. That's for sure. Well, I mean, anytime, I don't care, you know, what your beliefs are or whatever, if you can feed someone or you can, get them warm or like pull them out of yeah that was that was the main thing you know we we're like we Dude, can that, feed them and get them warm that feels good right like, yeah it feels like you you know it feels like no dude it felt really great man it, i mean yeah i'm i'm not i'll be the first to tell you that like a lot of the stuff i do it, it is self-serving you know i i love doing the things i get to do i'm very lucky that i get to do the things that i've gotten to do and it's really you know really changed my perspective and really gave me a, a, a level of experience in life that I didn't really expect, but I'm happy that I do. But yeah. I mean, very, yeah, like you said, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's a very small percentage of people that can say that they were involved in, um, Harvey rescues and, and helping people at standing rock, not, you know, not necessarily there for political reasons, but there to just help and like keep people safe and, and healthy. Like that's a, that's a big deal, man. That's a big thing. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, like, and back to it, it was all the, the community, you know what I mean? the the group of veterans that would present themselves to me in these situations just made it where it was almost impossible to not accomplish these things. You know what I'm saying? Like sure. if I wasn't doing it, they'd be giving me call. They'd be calling me and bugging me. Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing this? So, I mean, it, all credit to the, to the people I've worked with for sure. Yeah, sure. That's awesome. But yeah, I mean, just touching on one more time, like, you know, it was such a political thing. We got attacked so much and we, that's, we talk about like, well, we're just veterans feeding people so we can handle negative press as much as we want. And I did, man, I had, I was handled so many, like we were in a lot of newspapers and there was this conserved the Washington post, which is actually like a super conservative uh, paper. They tried to take us down, did an interview with them. And then they tried to criticize us because we were, a lot of us are disabled and we don't work. And uh, they were saying that we shouldn't use our disability money to, live the way we were living or whatnot and it's just crazy you know how you see the veteran community from both sides you see it getting attacked just for doing good it's like these same republicans that say all these good things and use you for your tag the minute they they don't 100 percent see what you're doing they attack you but like i said it's both ways as well yeah yeah it's crazy how uh i don't know one side or the other will view you in in a certain situation you know what i mean like in definitely they're out of context like you know it's not like it's not like you you know i think around that time that the malher refugee refuge thing was going on too wasn't it was that i don't know if it would happen before man i don't I, it was yeah it was so much was going on but i mean there was a lot of like there was a lot of what people uh, like what you would see uh you know if you show up in camis man it's like right-wing activism all of a sudden right right so, but i mean the guys at the malher refuge they're not right-wing you know, the guys at Standing Rock, they're, they're not right wing. Right. They're not necessarily left wing either. They're, they're more just radicals and we're just anarchists for the most part. Everybody I encountered, but. Well, it's just people that want to see change, really. Yeah, no, that's what I say. They want to not change. And they, I mean, a lot of the guys, I, they don't see a party being a solution. They, 
you know, they'd want to more or less burn the establishment to the ground. For sure. Well, I mean, when, right. you're, when you're talking about, when you're talking about um, destroying, you know, native lands, what's left of them, right? And, and potentially, um, you know, destroying water systems that feed countless, maybe millions of people. Like, that's sort of a big thing. You can't just willy-nilly throw a pipeline in there. Yeah, you'd think, man, but they do. If you look it up, I guarantee you there's they're everywhere. Like they're all oh, no, over. Sure. The I did the no, I did the research and it sounds like sounds like um you know, while some of these pipelines I'm sure are necessary, I mean, they don't necessarily do all the impact studies and, and everything that they need to do to ensure that they're not gonna uh Well yeah, I mean that that was the thing with the it sounds like a standing rock. From a profit model perspective, like the one they were putting in it. Uh, when we were fighting at Sandy Rock, like it, you know, it wasn't even supposed to make a profit for like 60 years. I think it was what it would take to pay it off. Wow. And it was like, damn, in 60 years, you really think we're going to be, I really hope we're not just still pumping massive amounts of fossil fuels around in the country. You know, you'd think that, hope you, so you know what I'm saying? It's like, do they even need to do it if they really look at it from an investment standpoint? Right. But yeah, man. People, people way, are man, crazy. They do what they want to do. It's pretty impressive that you, you know, you were up there and trying to help people. So I remember that being, you know, North Dakota is not a, a safe, oh. savory environment, dude. Like it's no, cool. dude. I wasn't expecting it. It you was know, a it hard was, motherfucker to live up there and to make it in the will. You know what I mean? Like without like proper shelter, like you got to be a tough son of a bitch. Like, yeah, no, I mean, we showed up and we didn't, even, we were planning on staying in tents, dude. It was a blizzard. It was freezing fucking cold. And luckily, some vets hooked us up with that little shack we started living in, but it was, it was a nice shack. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, while we were there, um, we were the primary, I ran the primary search and rescue the whole time I was there. So pretty much every night, uh, we'd get a call or somebody come and banging our door down because somebody, somebody with a mental health problem was missing and couldn't be found. Yeah. So there was this whole huge area that I'd have to like send people out like this grid to like check it. And we never found anybody out there. But after the, when spring came the following year, there was one body that they found out there, but he had went missing months before we got there. So that's crazy. But, but yeah, it was, it was definitely an experience. I mean, I recommend anybody, um, you know, just experience life. If you go build up all these preconceived notions one way or the other, who knows, especially if you're sitting there listening to talking heads or getting off a Facebook feed. But if you get the opportunity, just go out there and experience it and take it in and form your own opinion. Oh, for sure. much. I, I definitely admire, I, I admire the fact that you're just like, you know what, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be about it. You know what I mean? Like that's a, that's a big deal, man. That's pretty awesome. Right. So after, so after Standing Rock or whatever, like uh, this is g- probably going to start coming back around. I don't know if um, the Keystone Pipeline is a pipeline, I think, that runs through there. I don't know if they're one and the same, but you know, it sounds like one of those pipelines exactly like Dakota Access or, or whatever is, is leaking. So, I mean, yeah, so they were doing the Keystone at the same time. You know, I haven't brushed up on my pipelines in quite a while, but the Keystone was – they were doing it – I think it was – it's like in the same area, kind of ran perpendicular to the code access. Yeah. And that was in, when Standing Rock was shutting down all the, the you know, people that were con- planning to continue the fight. That was the one they were building up to protest next was the Keystone. So 
they were starting to buy property like in the in the way of the pipeline and and all that so we should you know there should be some stuff happening it sounds like their their biggest fears have been realized because it it sounds like that one's leaking yeah i mean what they didn't want obviously i i i hate to say it man but i i don't have a lot of faith that like water is going to be clean for that long i mean you know i'm not a doomsday i really feel in my heart that there's a lot of good going on and that, that we're actually in a phase right now of enlightenment as a whole civilization and that people are starting to be kinder and looking at things from a completely different filter. So I do see us like progressing. I just hope that we can fix the damage that we've already caused. I'm sure we can. It's just sometimes it is a little disheartening when you look at the scope of it. Yeah, for sure. So what are you into now? Yeah. So it's funny. Me and my wife were just talking about veterans respond. I always used to say it is what it is and it will be what it will be. Cause I never felt like it was, you know, something I would be doing for the next 10 years of my life. Um, and it fizzled out and everybody got busy and we went back to our lives. And, uh, two years after that, I guess two, I don't know, probably one year after that, I applied to go to on a trip to Colorado with this group called the warriors keep. And this was last year, last, last veterans day. And I got selected and they took me up there and it was a great trip. And I really got along with the, the group of the, um, the words keep guys. Mm-hmm. And they asked me to pretty much take over that program and start running it. And, uh, fast forward this last year. Oh man, we've took like, let's just say there's been warrior keep boots standing on a mountaintop 41 times, at least this last year, no 51 times. We've summited over 20 mountains. Some of them are multiple mountains, but we've, I mean, we've, we've just took a ton of people up mountains all year long. We had two really successful trips to Colorado, and then we had a six-month training program that ended with 10 people. 100% of our group summited Mount Kilimanjaro, which yeah. is the highest point in Africa. Yeah, for sure. I followed Robbie on that one. That was, that was yeah. What is it about mountains? So like my pathway, like I told Robbie this, my pathway to, um, like my, my outdoors, my need to be outdoors. I find it through golf, right? That's just me. It works for me. What is it about mountains? Do you think that is, uh, so, I mean, healing, if you will, like, it seems like it's, there's a, it's not, it's not just the warriors keep. There's a ton of veterans out there that are doing this. Like, what is it about these hiking and and that's so good? So I'm, I'm a little bit of an esoteric minded person. So I've really believe in the energy that exists in this world. Uh, and I believe that certain areas and nature obviously possesses stronger energies that our energy interacts with when we travel through it. And, you know, it's not even so much esotericism anymore. If you follow quantum, quantum physics and the advances they're making in that field, there's, there's a lot to actually be said through scientific study that proves that there is this energy field that exists. Um, and I just think that, you know, just being out in it, like, like I said, whether it's wherever you are, just being outside, taking in nature, whether it's, you know, your feet are on the ground, whether you're playing golf, you're riding a bike, you're doing a run, climbing a mountain. There's just a really therapeutic aspect to like spending time, solitude time in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but the key is on our side, what we try to focus we get a team, we get a really good team together and they start interacting like you would in the military. So it becomes more team goal to like, let's all get up this mountain together. 
mm-hmm. and that you can really build off of that a lot. And there's a lot to be said healing wise with just the interaction as being part of a team that's a, achieving a goal together. Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> a lot of the, a lot of the veteran oriented golf that I do is team oriented and that's exactly, um, the same sort of uh feelings that you would get because you're paired up with like two you know it's usually like you for sure and you pair up with two other guys maybe you know maybe you don't but it's that community right so so that's a community that's the word man like that's it yeah because you don't i don't need subsidized golf the the thing that i do um they tend to try to get veterans in different uh stages of sort of rehab or uh you know whatever um, out on the golf course and they subsidize it for them. I don't necessarily need that. I just need to be around other veterans. That's what I like. Right. So it's yeah. all, you know, the same with Warriors Keep. Yeah. I mean, that's what I tell everybody. Uh, it's all about community. You know, if you, know, if you don't like climbing a mountain or you don't like hiking, dude, there's so many people out there. And right now the veteran community, is, it's a vibrant place. It's full of all these organizations, full of veterans that are just saying, hey, this is what helps me. Why don't you, you know, if you want to check it out. So I'm an avid yogi. I do yoga all the time. And there's a group called Live American Yogi. It's a bunch of special forces, op- like Green Beret dudes that do yoga and they preach guys, the yoga mission. Guys, you would, you would if, unless you knew them, you'd never think, you know, well, man, these operators are doing yoga. Well, actually, yeah, I mean, yeah, they do. Yeah. I, my yoga studio here in town, it's owned by a female. It's a husband and wife and they were West Point grads and they were in the 82nd airborne division and you know, now they own a yoga studio. So there's yeah. a lot of veterans starting to do yoga. And really the point there was it's frustrating when people just assume, you know, that like you're, you're some type of way. Oh, it's, it's yeah, a- for sure. And well, on the other side, dude, I know so many guys that are just so intimidated by going about going to a yoga studio. They're like, how do you do it? Like, well, you like, walk like, in a certain- you gotta be a little more vulnerable sometimes, man. You gotta be open. Yeah. Like, you, let that. Well, I mean, I always encourage through my programs, I encourage folks to like, try to leave the ego behind you know what i mean because the military you build your ego up so much in the military you're all about what you are and who you do and super important because you got to do this and if you don't do this the whole machine will stop and then like you got to realize hey man that's not really true and move past that point of view so that's true with all the veteran sort of isms if you will like all your appointments like all your um your doctor visits, your VA visits, or like just, just even talking to your buddies, man. Like you got, yeah. you got to, dude, since I started this podcast, man, a couple of my friends have come back to me and said like, dude, thank you for letting me talk. Like, thank you. It's, it's been good or therapeutic or whatever. And like, I was kind of hoping that this, that's what this would be, but that's, that's accurate, man. Like if you can just put your ego away and get out there and do whatever it is that makes you feel better, right. Whether it's for sure. Bond or warriors keep or climbing a mountain or playing golf or whatever. Like, man, you're just going to be better for it, you know? No, 100%. Like, I mean, like I said, and it all goes back to that, especially like we're veterans now, but remember when we were in, you know what I mean? Right. We didn't have walls up. You didn't have walls up with your platoon mates. Regard, like, if they believed in this and you believed in that, it didn't matter. You know, you would rib each other on it or challenge each other on it. But at the end of the day, it didn't matter at all. Right. And, you know, that's part of just remember, like, we're all part of the same community let the ego down. It doesn't really matter what your side thinks or what their side thinks. Like just get together and have a good time. And that's the thing too. Not one time. And like this conversation I've had with you has been probably the most politically charged and it hadn't been politically charged. But I'm just saying like these, all these groups we've been around, it never comes up. You know, the veterans never introduce it at all. It's just, 
noise we just have a really good time together you know what i mean you never see that political animosity that so that exists in mainstream media i haven't seen it at all in any of the groups i've interacted with over the past year with the warriors key like obviously a lot of veterans will will lean one way or the other Uh, i think for the most part i've what i found is a lot of veterans are sort of just in the middle they just want a healthy for sure healthy happy country you know as a whole and but we're also way better i've noticed at taking ownership on things like we don't really necessarily care who's in the White House because we respect the office of the president, usually, right? So you just want to have a successful country, like, regardless of who's there. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. You don't want to see the world burn just because your your side's not in, in office. Right. It's, I mean, and, and obviously, like, we're going to believe one way or the other, but just, just like you said, like, we didn't have those walls. Like, you know, you, you would talk about these things. You would challenge each other on these things. And, like, you know, whether you, you know, impacted someone or not it didn't matter like you were able to talk about it right and and just have that community it's crazy what's going on now yeah it is man i mean dude i got off i don't watch the, up the other day i mean it's just like dude it's just ridiculous man like everybody just needs to shut up and you know just try to you know make america you know what it used to be where everyone cared about each other and could talk like yeah i mean so far from that i know everything's so serious these days i, I talk a lot like pretty in perspective like I was watching a YouTube clip of the presidential debate between George Bush and um, what was his name? God dang. Uh, the inconvenient truth guy, Al Gore. Mm-hmm. And they were seriously having this heated dispute. I mean, it was the top subject they were talking about and debating. And it was whether or not they were going to pay for school lunches. You know, like that, that was the hot ticket let's get mad about it let's argue about it everybody cares about it in the nation and look at it now you know what i mean like it's it's so it's it's just gotten so out of control everybody just needs to take a breath and start worrying about kids getting fed you know what i mean like let's let's focus on that again let's have that conversation over for sure like i mean there's obviously a lot of uh issues that we're going to be confronted with but the problem is like we've stopped talking about them in a, in a healthy way. You know, it's like, well, no, it's the best way. Well, actually I disagree. And then they just stop. Like you can't, you can't do that, man. That's not gonna, that's not helping anybody. Yeah. You gotta, gotta leave your mind open. And, but I mean, I I was thinking about, I would touch back on like climbing a mountain, you know, I kind of got off subject, but there are other ways that it applies to like the veteran community. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, the actual, the, the physical aspect of it, you know, like, so you're climbing up this mountain and you find yourself in a situation where you, you can't cheat it at all. And you either got to keep moving forward or, or, or quit. And at the same time, you're not going to sit there and stress out about the time you slipped, you know, a hundred feet down the mountain. You're just going to focus on where you are now and try to keep going. Right. And if you really think about that and break that down at its core essence, that's pretty much what a veteran needs to remember. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter what happened before. We're more than what we've done. We're what we've yet to become. And if you just focus on these things that happened in the past, it's not letting you climb the mountain. Mm. It's not helping you climb the mountain. So I try to tie that in. You know, we don't have a lot of forced Kumbaya time, but there are some themes that we try to instill in, in our groups. And that's one of the main ones for sure. That's pretty powerful, man. That's some powerful stuff right there. Right on.
that's yeah, man, it's it's good talking. I'm I'm really glad you had me on because I don't I talk to my wife about it a lot, but she I'm so passionate. She hears it all the time, so I know she kind of drowns it out. And it's it's good to to voice it to yeah, to man. somebody else. Well, I want to. I mean, I want these stories to be told, man, and I want people you know out there who are either going to get out or you know law even law enforcement too. Like I you know I, I I'm around a lot of law enforcement guys, firemen, and I and I think often like people forget like those dudes are on the watch like all oh no man yeah man like like those we got to remember like hey you know veterans like yeah they left they didn't come home every night you know and they went and served their country in some you know far off land whatever but these dudes man they do it every single night and they protected our families while we were gone you know yeah and then they just go home you know what i mean they they go to the neighborhood next to where the the crazy stuff was happening and they don't i mean they don't always get um you know this is their this is for us it's like a, a really in hindsight sort of a small period of time right and then we can come home and kind of decompress and we're not going to be reimmersed in it for a while these guys are in it every single day like i've i've said it a couple times like i know a fireman his uh he's search and rescue national search and rescue through fema you might have seen some of the teams in harvey these, this, this dude, his first uh, natural disaster was 9-11. Or that oh, was, was a terrorist attack. But his first search and rescue mission was 9-11. He has literally been to like every single major disaster uh, this country's had. And, and actually out, outside of this country, a few, you know, since then. And that's what Jeez, this man. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. forget about those guys, man. That guy's been... No, people do. Long, you know, and it's crazy. They're every And they're, they're all... So, I mean, same thing I not as intense as yours, but I grew up with a guy and now he's a captain in a fire department and he's, he's riddled with PTSD, dude. I mean, sure. Yeah. The thing men have seen men and women have seen, um, in everyday life are, are terrible and they keep slogging along, you know, they just keep living. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm with you. We talked about this during freedom peak. We had a police officer. He was an active duty police officer from Arlington that was on our team. He ended up hurting his back, so he couldn't go to Kilimanjaro. But, you know, uh, he carried it with him, you could tell. And, yeah, we talk about that. Like, there's, you know, they, they say the number is 22 a day on veterans. and There's a lot to be said if it is or if it isn't. But regardless, where's the number on first responders? And are, is it even being tracked? Because if it's not and the number is small, that's a powder keg. And it's going to blow eventually, just like you saw Dude, I, you I know, in the mid-2000s. And, I would venture to say that number may be higher, brother. Yeah, you would, you have to think it was. And you're right. I don't know if they track it, you know, because honestly, like it's it's like, you know, we've been at war for what 18, 19 years now, so it's honestly a little more trendy to talk about veterans and and these guys. It's like I said, it's their everyday life, so people tend to overlook it. What yeah. I marvel at the most though is if you put a guy like you, Robbie, you know, fireman, cop, me, whoever, like we're all gonna point to the next dude and be like, oh man, he's got it worse like yeah you're, they'll say yeah. well you guys didn't you guys were gone you didn't get to come home every night and we'll be like well you actually do this every single day it's yeah. crazy like they always sort of pass the buck onto somebody else and and like they never um stop for a second and like take a breath and be like man this is pretty intense like it's it's something yeah, i mean i think what we do is service it's naturally kind of a humble thing you right you know what i mean you're not supposed to brag or be boisterous about the service you do and, uh, you know, I, I think that just carries with everybody, you know, you, you want to step back and it's not as bad for me as it is for somebody else. And that, that's all around pretty much. Yeah, for sure. For sure, man. 
what do you got coming up, man? You got so I know you guys just oh yeah, so you wrapped another Colorado trip. Um, what's going on next? What's well that wrap that so that Colorado trip is actually what we call the beginning of our season for the most part. Our busy climbing season runs from um, about November through the following July. Wow! So in the next between now and June 2020, I will take another group to Colorado. Um, and we will have completed the six month train up and climb Kilimanjaro. And part of that, we climbed to the top of Texas, which is Guadalupe Peak. And we climbed to the top of New Mexico, which is Mount Wheeler, mm. before we even get to Africa. So we're about to do the team selections. We've got all that going on. We've been nominated for an award called the Vetties. It's, it's an organization called the Vetties. So we're going to DC for that in January. Hopefully we'll win that and kick the year off with that win. But yeah, it's, it's going to be another busy, big year climbing mountains. It's going to be a good time. If somebody wants to support uh, Warriors Keep, how can they do it? So, I mean, I encourage anybody to reach out to me directly with anything. If they want to come along for the trip, they want to support. I'm really receptive to, to people reaching out and you can just easiest way is mark at the warriorskeep.org. Mm-hmm. But everything else we announce on Facebook, we roll out all of our applications. We put them on Facebook, which is the Warriors Keep. Um, we Our website's updated fairly well, not as much as it should be. But yeah, pretty much, you know, if you want to make a donation, a corporate donation, we can handle anything. We're a 501c3. So if people out there and they're like, this is a great thing, we like to fund it. Mm-hmm. That's how we make it happen, obviously. And we're we're geared to handle from the smallest to the largest, um, any type of support. And and but mainly, you know, program participants. We we need to have the veterans to continue to apply apply that really want to take on these challenges because we're trying to ramp up, we're trying to take more groups and do it more frequently. Yeah, that's that's incredible, man. That's pretty pretty impressive, dude. Knowing Robbie, I was like, I never ever in my life, like would have thought you know robbie when i knew robbie was like a woodworker and like that was kind of his passion and what he was into and the next (laughs) we reconnect and the dude's like climbing mountains i'm like holy shit yeah it happens quick you know i mean me and him i was always in the outdoors you know um me and my wife we like camp and we have we're in our kids we go camping we go have friends all over the place we're actually leaving tomorrow morning to go up to colorado for a week but um I never climbed a mountain specifically and me and Robbie, we climbed our first mountain together back in March that we going, we climbed Guadalupe peak. So in March, me and him climbed Guadalupe peak. And then later in March, me and him climbed flat top and Hallett's peak in Colorado. Mm. Then we climbed three more in New Mexico and then Kilimanjaro. So, I mean, we've, we've climbed a ton of mountains and we, neither one of us had climbed one before. I mean, we, not even a year ago, we started climbing mountains. Wow. I might have to go give this thing a test. There's some. Yeah, man, apply. Like, I encourage everybody to really. Well, just not apply. even that. Man. I'll, I'll just go. I'll go so I, I, I'm in Utah, and there's, a, there's some definitely some, some hikes, and um, I don't want to say like peaks, but you know, there's some bigger stuff here in the, in the Wasatch Front. I'm going to have to give this a shot, see if it does anything. Well, you can't be that far from Estes Park if you're in Utah. What, how far? From what park? Estes Park. Oh, I don't even know. I have to look. like if you drive during a certain there, you can drive through the park, like through the Rocky Mountains, and suppose somebody's telling me there's a short way to get to Utah. Like not short, but like yeah. relatively short if you take it during the right season. 
but yeah, man, I encourage anybody to get out there and give it a shot. And like, like I said, it's, it's, it's become really a part of my life. Like I love climbing mountains. It's, it's a super challenging thing that I just find really rewarding and the views are always great. It's great for Instagram. You get good pictures. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I enjoy, I definitely enjoy when all the pictures come out cause uh, those are some pretty impl- impressive places. Yeah. Well, all right, man. I just want to say thanks for joining the show. Uh, definitely. Thanks for your service and thanks. Uh, I think even more importantly for what you're doing now. Yeah, man. I, pre- I really appreciate it. I really like, like I said, I, I, what you're doing is a vital thing because we need these stories like we, and they need to be told people need to hear them people. And then they need to build their own story. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. 2015. I, I was just an angry guy on the couch. Oh, I know the feeling, dude, for sure. And that's, that's why I think what's helped me get to where I'm at. It's like, you can, you can be out and angry, um, and not doing shit and hating on people, or you can be out and, uh, looking for a way to help, man, trying to fill the gap, you know, and that's, that's, that's where I'm at. And that sounds like that's where you guys are at. So thanks for that, man. For sure, man. Thank you. All right, brother. You be safe, man. Have a good, have a good holiday coming up. And, uh, I look forward to having you back. All right, Mark. Thanks again, man. All right. We'll talk to you. All right, bye-bye. What do you say, boo? Hi. What are you into over there? I'm getting ready to do my nails. I'm proud of that. We're going on vacation. We are going on vacation. Yes. We're going on a real vacation. Like mm-hmm. not, not a, No work. Yeah. Like, we're not bringing... Like, usually when we go to, like, we've gone to Orlando the last two years... And are lucky enough to go again one more time this year. Well, that's you guys, not me. I'm working. Work, I know, but I'm I, working. Well, working. you're working, working. I bring half my work with me. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but we're not doing this this time. No, like we're not even going to have access. We'll have like Wi-Fi, maybe. Yeah. So that's exciting. We'll be kind of off the grid, just soaking up literally the sun. Yeah, I saw a thing on the news today, <laughs> Fox News. Mm. Since you got to call me out. Um, digital detox. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, so do I. Because we're surrounded by, even in your truck, you have it. It's like, yeah, I'm totally ugh. excited to do that. The kids will get, like, because you went on a trip and they're like, can we listen to Frozen too? Yeah. <laughs> the soundtrack. I'm way excited to not have to worry about anything. Me too. And the great thing is, like, we can automate, well, this, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll be already be on our way and this will come out. Mm-hmm. And we can still stay connected. Yes. In that way. What do you think of the conversation we had with Mark? I liked it. I like um, you did a couple interviews with other people who also. So I think I want to stop calling them interviews. Are they interviews or are they conversations? What do you think? You do ask them. Do I sort of interview? But Yeah, because it's it's like, okay, who are you? What are you about? Tell me more about you. And then you start talking about other things. To me, I feel like it's a conversation. After? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Because you do want to introduce who you have as a guest. Well, yeah, I like these people and I'm interested in these people and I want to know more about them. And especially somebody like Mark, I kind of like, like he, um, I felt like he, he wasn't just, you know, wanting to put it all out there like we had a conversation and like i had to ask him questions and like i like that you know mm-hmm. um and he's an interesting dude yes like way interesting i like that he it's more than just like he went there to see for himself yeah and 
Um, he saw that people had needs yeah. and I, he could provide those needs and he could yeah. team up with other veterans who also want to provide needs. And, and I just think skills it's, yes, I think that it's aren't being utilized. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's awesome that he, it was more than just himself. Yeah. Maybe it started out that way because of curiosity or, you sure. know, but he went there and he provided needs that other people could not do for themselves and i think that's and he he was right when he it's like it, it does feel very selfish but it feels good yeah. it feels really good to do things for other people and expect nothing in return yeah, that yeah. you know and and i i i love that like robbie does that like yeah. what people, they do with the warriors keep it's i mean people laugh at me sometimes even like some of my closest friends like tim and dallas that helped me run the golf tournament mm. they're like you're really going to give all this back I'm like, well, that's what I said I was going to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but, mm-hmm. but he knows. It's like, more than yourself. But he knows that people will run tournaments kind of under the guise of like giving back and not mm-hmm. give it all back. No, like, it, yeah, absolutely goes back. I mean, back. it's just like, that's not in my character to do that, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, I'm asking you to invest in something that I care about. I'm trying to educate you on something mm-hmm. that I care about and ask you to lend mm-hmm. your money and yourself to this cause, you know? Oh, vote for them, Warriors Keep. The Vetti Awards, he said. Yeah, Vetti Awards. I get emails for that. Yeah. So I do vote. When I see it, I do vote. Because it's it's uh, like veterans um, is important to you. It's important to me, too, because the military has been such a huge part of my life. So yeah. seeing like any way you can help, even if it is just a click, vote for yeah, them. So They're for doing me, great like, things. I don't know what it was. like. I don't know if everybody feels the same way that I do, but... Um, I always felt like I did a, a lot, I feel like, in 12 years. I gave everything I could, you know, as best I could. I mean, I think I was really good sometimes and bad others. Um, but, like, I, it's a way for me to answer the question, was it enough, you know? But it's I know not other the people, end. But I know so many people have, were asked or put in a position to, to, to have, and forced to give so much more. And I, I want to make up for that. And that's really what drives me, you know? to do all the things that I try to do. I mean, when you get out of the military, did you feel like it was over? Everything was over? I felt like I transitioned to a new crowd. And I remember there was a distinct time. Remember we were sitting in the mall? I don't know if I was totally out yet. And we were having lunch and there were those vets oh, there having hot Buffalo. dogs. Yeah, and like I broke yeah. down. I had to walk away. Cause it was, like was a, he a World War II vet? It was a World War II, a Korea. Yeah, um, they were just meeting up together Maybe at, there, at the McKinley There may Mall. have even been a Vietnam guy, but then over to the left all by himself was an Iraqi freedom vet. And it was yeah. like, that was the first time um, that I acknowledged that like it was, I was moving on to, to that next chapter, you know? Like I was moving away from being with, you know, my Marines and being active duty and moving to, um, I don't want, you know, the next portion where you're not, it's not really civilian life because you're not really a civilian. You're in between. You're in some <laughs> yeah. kind of weird purgatory, like not yeah. in a bad way, but you know, you're in this like in between space, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's crazy. Getting back to Mark though, like I, it was super impressive to like hear that he was about it. Like he didn't just talk about it, you know, like he, he did it. He did it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then like built a, like sort of a nonprofit organization around it to yeah. like help people and, and carried that on. It wasn't just Standing Rock. It was um, the hurricane, the hurricane, hurricane in, Harvey. in Harvey in Texas, yeah. you know, where they live. Mm-hmm. Like that's crazy. Like which, you know, Robbie and his family were partially affected. Yes, by that, I remember, remember? that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it, 
I think that's what I appreciate most about this conversation is, and he didn't really go there like under any guise of one side or the other of the Mm -hmm. argument. Like obviously to help, you know, he mentioned like, but he mentioned like, yeah, we should be good stewards of our property, which Mm -hmm. I, I've, you know, in our, our land and our, you know, where we live, which I wholeheartedly agree. Mm -hmm. Um, but those things can get hyper political Mm -hmm. and it's, and in which this was, Mm -hmm. um, and it, Standing Rock was. Yeah. Yes. Well, all the pipelines, because they inevitably yeah. are going to encroach on something, right? There's just no way to avoid that, and it's crazy. But for him to organize, you know, and help out um, the you know people who are standing up for something they believe in and are in need, yeah, I think that's a pretty pretty selfless act, pretty pretty incredible. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just when you meet someone like that, and I kind—I of, I remember some of this stuff, you know, popping up in the news. I, do I don't too. think it was reported nearly like when you listen to someone who was there. But I remember that they were hosing down people. Yeah, I remember that. And it, but it, but I only heard the hosing down. What he said was it was at night, freezing, and they were like. Well, the devil's in like, the details, right? Hypothermia, like you. Yeah, so it's like, oh yeah, you're not just hosing; you're potentially leading to yeah, people's oh, yeah. deaths. Yeah, no, there's second and tertiary uh, effects that people don't realize because they're not looking at the details. And he was there, like there'd be pe- there'd be like, oh gosh, we're missing someone. Yeah. can you help us look? And you know, and it's like, yeah, and people don't. Wow, I, it was interesting to hear him talk about like the types of people that go to events like this, like, you know, some of the forgotten ones, you know, the ones that people ignore, like, like I say people, I mean like culture at large, right? Yes. There's so many people that just are ignored in life and like, but they still have a purpose and they still care. And like, they show up at these events and these things like to try to, you know, do whatever to find meaning for themselves. And like, those are the ones that wind up maybe lost, like out in the fucking wilderness. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's crazy. Like, but it was nice to know that there were people there that cared, mm-hmm. you know, whether they had, whether they were there for like a legitimate reason, like a cause, or if they just showed up because they're these like gypsy, like wanderers, which mm-hmm. are pretty prevalent, I think, across the, you know, the sort of breadbasket of this country. Like, it's, it's just crazy. But these whole issues, like, do you remember when Phil and I went down to Nephi and we yeah. went to look at that property and we talked to this farmer? And, and, like, it was obvious he'd been in this area forever. Like, he had a big farm, and um, there's an airport there, and there's a road. And, like, we, we meaning my job, had some property there because we're going to build a facility. And we went to go look at this property and see, like, kind of with the fencing. And this guy told us, like, yeah, I've been here all my life. Like, you guys don't look like you're from around here. Like, well, no shit, obviously. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? We're on a side of a dead road that clearly only farmers use. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, all this used to be mine, and the government came in and basically took it from him. And he, he used the term imminent domain, and that was the first time I'd heard anyone say that. Right. And that's basically like, well, it's, it's for the good of the government, for the good of the people. We're just going to do what we want to do. We're going to take this land from you. We're not going to give you the value of it. Basically, you're going to break even. And his family probably had that for you know who knows how long. Right. And that's like this. That's kind of like the Standing Rock issue. Like That pipeline... And, and that oil that flows through that pipeline, like it's going to boost our economy. It's strategically going to boost this country. And it's also giving people jobs. Right. In ways that maybe we can't even quantify yet. But that also means a lot of people and They're going to have to break a treaty. And their land yeah. are going to be um, affected. And that's really sad. 
Yeah. And I don't know where to be on those t- type of things, you know? Can you run a pipeline and, and mitigate the effects of sacred lands? Yes, I believe you can. It's just way harder to do. But people don't want well, to take the time. it's going to be under Oh, all it is that under. Land. No, it's a functioning pipeline. I yeah. looked it up today. Yeah, yeah, And it went under that land. But what about the burial grounds? These native peoples have been here for a very long time. I'm not going to argue with anyone of how long they've been here, but they've certainly been here longer than any white person. Yeah. It's just natural. It's, that's just how it is. They have a right to that land. They've always had a right to that land. Mm-hmm. And it's sad, you know, because so much good could potentially come from it. But at the same time, you're destroying their heritage. And I can't stand that. Like, it's a tough question, I think, to ask or to even try to answer. Yeah. Because I don't know where I fall on it, you know. Because oil right now is so big mm-hmm. across the entire world, right? So we've been uh, subservient to these Middle Eastern countries forever because of their oil. Now we're sitting on maybe it, uh, the role is reversed. Like, if we tapped into that oil potential, like, we could be the big oil advocates for everyone else. But that means, you know, people's natural, you know, claim to their lands could be impacted. Their drinking water could be impacted. And follow that downstream, that could affect a lot of people. What do you think? Yeah, I don't, I guess I don't know enough about it. It's just everything. There's so much, like with the jobs and then... It's, I mean, they were there first. Yeah. There's a treaty. So I very much believe, you know? like, in the native populations in this country. And, like, I grew up around um, Native Americans. And they've always been, a, you know, as a people, as a group of people, have always been friends and a part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I very much care about the things that impact them, you know, as a, as a culture, as a society. And to watch it sort of get chipped away, like, every time. It's so sad to say, but, I mean, that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. It's terrible. Because people just see dollar signs. But you know that it's going to benefit a ton of people. It's just sad, man. It's like It is, but it really, do you have really, to get rid and like just not be culturally sensitive just because of the dollar signs? I, I don't know. It's, it's, so, it's complicated. So Donald Trump, this is an area that I probably would not fall in line with Trump. Is he was like, you know, I read a piece where he sort of pushed some of these projects through. Because boosting that oil economy is going to help him boost the economy. That's what he ran on, right? But he said, hey, these permitting processes are overburdened and they're cumbersome and they're all this and that. Well, they're that way for a reason. It's because people have a sacred right to that land. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know what the answer is, but I know, you know. I mean, you cannot move them. It's not like you can just move them off. We've already moved them. Yeah, you can't. We've already asked them to. No, we've already taken them off their lands and and made them go to these other places and all these other things. And you know that's history that I don't even want to talk about. But yeah, you can't keep doing this to people and just expect it to be okay. It's just, but it's it's a it's like again, it's like there is a lot of good that could come from it. It just hurts, man. It hurts me to even think about it. But I'm I'm happy that someone like you know Mark would be there to help sort of be the sounding board in between the arguments you know they had private fucking security out there with dogs and shit like that's see that's like people were getting fucked up yeah you know that's just not okay over sacred lands you're talking about sacred tribal lands that's not it's not just some plot in the middle of some farmer's uh, like it's their pasture. land. You know what I'm saying? Like, And you just come in it. Right. Their ancestors like are buried there or have died there or have fought and died for that land. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you're talking about um, some of the people that led this sort of gathering 
are from like are of the bloodline of Sitting Bull. He's like one of the most famous Native Americans from that region. Yeah. Maybe ever. Um crazy. Absolutely crazy. But that whole Im- imminent domain shit, that's that's uh it's an interesting thing. Like you just you don't you want you got to ask yourself like do I actually own the things that I think I own? Specifically when it comes to like land in your house. You know, like when they redo these roads or they expand these roads, yeah, that's the government like buying people's homes or asking them to leave because of eminent domain. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to think about that for a second. Like, it's pretty crazy, like what they can actually do. Nothing is really yours. I mean, if if you follow the eminent domain thing, I mean, maybe it's maybe not. You know, I mean, they pay you for it, but they don't pay you like the actual value of it. Yeah. You know, they just give you... They'll, they'll give you the government rate. Exactly. Which is <laughs> always lower. It is. <laughs> but, man, what an interesting character. I feel pretty... Uh, I'm very, uh, very happy that I was able to speak with him about this kind of issue. And I know he's got a lot more to offer. Um, that's a, an incredible story to tell, though. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been wanting to do this one for a while. You know, get it out there so people can hear about Standing Rock. And it's interesting because right around the time that we recorded that... Um, the Keystone Pipeline in North Dakota that runs out of Canada, North Dakota, and it's mm-hmm. in it's kind of in the d- same Dakota access. It it did exactly what they feared the Dakota one would do, and it it has leaked, mm-hmm. so it is possible, and it can you know it can create you know those people weren't out there just just protesting to protest. I mean these aren't idiots in the streets of Washington D.C. twerking and throwing fucking glitter. Like these folks had a legitimate cause, yeah, and it and it, it actually became it was a realization of what they feared. Something like 300,000 gallons or some shit like out into wetlands, you know. I don't know how that has impacted the water yet, but, I mean, it, it happened on a, on a pipeline very much like Dakota. And we mentioned that when him and I were talking because it yeah. was going on at the time. It but it's crazy. not just... I think the sad part is that that it's man-made and... Any human-made thing has flaws, yeah. you know, and it could have been prevented had you not built it yeah. or used it. Or you know? didn't build it in haste. Right. Because they did push this thing, you know, super fast. Like, they built it really, really quick. But it's also like, you know, there's crude oil being shipped around the world. Yeah. And uh, it's like an accident, but it's like another Exxon Valdez, you know, yeah. and it... I mean, they're still cleaning up after Exxon Valdez or Valdez, whatever. But it, I mean, it's. Same with that BP one out in the water, right? In Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah. That was in the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But off the coast of, it's. uh, Louisiana, Texas. What was that? No, not Event Horizon. (laughs) Yeah. That's the same spill. Exxon Valdez is older. And then the BP one. Yeah, that was on the West Coast. Right. But the, Yeah. yeah, oil is, is. Fucking the devil, man. Yeah. And it's not like a commercial where you see the little ducky and you use the Dawn soap and I you feel clean like it's, a little. Yeah, d- it's, it's way it's more catastrophic like, than yeah, I think. It yeah. is in the earth. And it ruins like industries. You know? Yes. But it's become such a necessity. It's crazy. Yeah. It's really, it's really. It's just like cars, you know, the emissions yeah. from the cars. Like we all need it. Yeah. The planes need to fly. You right. know what I mean? It's and fuck you if you and, say you're not going to fly. Like, come on. How long do you yeah. think that's going to last? In today's world, like, come on. Again. You're I'm, not taking a boat. That's for I'm, damn sure. I'm all about the 
I'm all about the being good stewards of the land and the earth. Um, but the hypocrisy in that sort of arena is pretty, pretty obvious. Like you've seen some shit with Greta and some of these other people, like, you know, it's like, dude, you're, you, you talk about like the oil industry and then everything around you is like one single use plastic, like, you know what I mean? Like, come on, like, what do we, at what, Starbucks, you know what? Yeah. But I'm just saying, <laughs> like they like, give me the plastic cup or I get the cup, but then there's the plastic topper. Yeah. <laughs> And then they'll, like, they'll kick you a paper straw on the yeah. side. Like, come on, guys. Like, <laughs> nice gesture. But, I mean, that's not really. No, a lot know, of things Let's talk about the kid who change. invented a way to clean up the plastic in the ocean. Yes. Why, are, why is no one talking about him? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, I don't, I'm tired, like, as a, as a person, like, in regards to some of these arguments, I'm tired of being talked down to all the time. People always, like, they're not people, but these politicians, like, they're, pushing these agendas on you and trying but to it's make like, you, are, like, scare you. But it's like, do you even know I if they're th- any better? Like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio has a fucking Prius, okay? He's doing a lot more for the environment than I've seen any politician out there. Yeah, You no, know, he's he, doing things for yeah, no, the Brazilian fires, you right, know, the rainforest. Yeah. As I understand it, gives a ton of money. Yes. Yeah, boy on slot. He's the kid who, inv- at 16, like, designed a way to help uh, deal with the plastic in the but ocean. But he's doing it now. Right. Like, he's, now he's actually 20, well, he's, doing he's it. He's 23. And, like, nobody ever talks about this kid. Like, he saw a problem. Like, he's a problem solver. Mm-hmm. Saw a problem, came up with a solution, and actually put it in action. Someone like Greta, the face of this movement or whatever, just because she's a 16-year-old kid and someone handed her a script, like, apparently, that's action. Like, get out of here. I think a lot of people realize that she's a puppet. Dude, I would... I would love to have this boy on slot kid like come somehow talk to him and find out like what he did did you know so plastic is not biodegradable okay it is actually going to be here just like cigarette filters it'll be here for thousands of years after we're long gone right yeah there's a kid that found a, a microorganism organism something that eats plastic or didn't he create it i'm not didn't sure it, it's either found or designed yeah but it's like, hey, there's a solution for all our plastic yeah, collect problems. Collect it and put it in a yeah. tank with these organisms and let yeah. them do work. You know, let them work at the landfill. <laughs> but it's like they, there are people out there yeah, doing again, things. It's a solution-based person, like problem solver, right? Someone who doesn't doesn't bark. I don't know. I know? don't. I don't know much about. Greta Thunberg, is that her name? Thunberg, yeah. Thunberg, Thunberg yeah, sure. I haven't read too much on her. And I, well, I mean, I it's hard know. to get the real facts on anybody. Yeah. But what I what I have seen a lot of is like she's basically, a lot of people are trying to say, at least on the right, that she's basically a puppet of her parents. And I don't see that that is probably, I could see where, you know, this is a 16-year-old girl you're talking about. But I mean, to suggest that this comfortable 16-year-old little girl had her childhood robbed, is a little far-fetched. Uh, uh, well, you know, if we go the way we're going, and I learned this in school, it's the only reason why I'm saying this, okay. but if we go, if we continue what we're doing in 50 years, our children are going to have a very, very, very hard life. Breathing problems, everything. Sure. You know, um, we have to do something, but no one is doing, doing something. Well, I don't you know think, what I, mean? I also like, don't think we're we're trying to do things in the right places like we need to be talking to india and we need to be talking to china these are the biggest emitters in the world 
You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying America shouldn't be the leader in this argument. We absolutely should be. And I think we are, and I think we've done pretty well. But there are other countries that have emissions and all these things like way, way outside of what we do. And no one bothers to say shit to them. Greta's not attacking China. For whatever reason, they all love to shit on the U.S. I don't understand well, why people it's do It's everyone. It has to be everyone. We all live on one planet. You know? Right, but everybody wants to attack the U.S. for whatever reason. They all want to point the finger at us. And we're not even the worst ones. It's crazy to me. I'm not suggesting we have an impact at our, you know, our, our planet. I definitely, it's obvious. Look around you. You know, none of this shit was here before. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's just a, it's a crazy conversation to try to dip your toes in the pond, if you will. I just think they've, they've uh, branded it wrong. Branded what? Like the argument, you know, it was Al Gore forever. Oh, in 10 years we're done. Then it, now it's, tw- you know, oh, if we don't do something now, now it's a 16-year-old we, girl. You have to get people to care. And so right, but what, what are we going to, how can we get I mean, is the answer a 16-year-old to, Swedish girl? Is she's turning heads. People are watching her. Mm-hmm. So if, if that's what it takes, then she needs to start doing so Instead of you, walking the walk, yeah, uh, talking the do. talk, she needs to walk. Yeah, she needs to do. Then maybe, like, sure, use her. Fine. Maybe she'll start turning heads and You saw that the train company like, called her out? Did you see that? Yeah, she was on first class. Yeah. I mean, it's not a good look for somebody who is trying to turn it's heads. It's not. She's just the puppet. I know. It's that's her mom pro- and dad that's the problem. speaking. That's the problem. Or whatever government she's behind. I'm just, you know, you I'm know. just saying, like, that's the issue for me. Instead of being so damn pity... Fucking use her to make the world a better place. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think like you and I, I, don't, I think climate change and all the science, I'm not a science guy, but I think that's an area that you and I don't. We don't agree. Yeah, we don't agree at all, huh? Yeah. I drive a diesel. Doing your part. Well, it's a low emissions diesel, <laughs> isn't it? I think. I don't know. I don't know. I just drive it sometimes. You got to wonder what the eco stands for. Is that economy and mileage or economy and emissions? Is it half Prius? <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I don't fucking know. <laughs> You're driving I just, a Prius. I don't. It just says Hemi. <laughs> so this is where this argument is for me, though. What are we talking about? The climate change argument. Right? Okay. So I think I was in Detroit. So this is that that last the first DC trip, right? I'm off my second one just now. Last month. Last month, November. I'm sitting in the airport, and these two—I uh, hate to pass judgment—but these two like hippie types, in my opinion, long hair, kind of dirty, maybe a little dready. You, you get the you got the sandals, you know, with socks on. You got the picture. Sandals, socks. Yeah. So they the strappy pull, sandals. Strappy sandals. With Not socks. thong. Not thong. Strappy. Strappy. <laughs> so. <clears throat> Seemed like an interesting couple, a little older, probably late forties, maybe early fifties. Um, and they had like the typical like hiking kind of gear. That's what they were traveling with. They probably travel everywhere. And so they they pull out these like bags with like what I can only guess is kale and maybe some quinoa. And they had like these wooden um, like utensils that they were like eating with and all this stuff. But what struck me the most is they went through. All the ass pain to like set all these things up and have like their own food. Do they have plastic Tupperware? No. They oh. have plastic water bottles. Oh. 
that they proceeded to put into their like multi-use. So people get like multi-use water bottles uh, so that they can use them often. Like, well, you never you know where that water out. came from, though. If you're on a plane... There's water fountains in every airport. I get that, but it, and you're handed a water bottle. You choose water, and they give you a These water like bottle. smart, big plastic smart You water can get bottles. that on a plane sometimes. I'm just saying, it, you went through all this trouble to have a reusable, big, tall mason jar with your food in it, wooden utensils, <laughs> and like all these things, and then you just you ruin all that. It's, it's like going to fucking McDonald's getting eight cheeseburgers and a Diet Coke. So there's no in-between for you? You've either got to be all in? I mean... Or are you... No, now- <laughs> because it's a transition. But I'm saying, like, I mean, all these things are... Like, I'm not, I, I'm not suggesting that it's not difficult to live the way that some people want to live. Some of these situations are totally unavoidable. But I'm just saying, this, these two people went through a, what was obvious, like, quite a bit of trouble to set certain things up and then conveniently went to find plastic water bottles to put in their multi-use bottle. And recycling was good enough for them. I'm just saying that's a little weird to me. Everyone just seems to be only halfway in. Like you either got to do it or you got to, But I don't know. They recycled it. I'm just saying it doesn't fit the whole picture of the people they're trying to be. Are you stereotyping? I mean, I stereotype. You are stereotyping. I stereotype the fuck out of these two because it was just weird to me. I don't know. I just had a. I was like, I don't. That wouldn't get it. bother me. Why? I just, I just bother? didn't get it. You know what I mean? I just didn't understand. Unless you went up to them and asked them, "What are you trying to achieve right now?" I should have. You should have because at least you'd because, be, uh, then you'd have an the answer. Thing. I was like, I saw the I saw the mason jar. I'm like, man, that's really cool. I saw the food, like their attempt at having their own food, and and maybe they have allergies. I have no idea. And then I saw the wooden utensils. I was like, okay, this this is getting interesting, right? And they have this clear. Clearly, it's all planned out. And then like the wife came with these plastic water bottles and like transferred the water. Like, and it was like, okay, nobody's looking. Maybe she realized the pH levels in that smart oh, water is on. better than the <laughs> ones that you would buy at Costco or Sam's. In a plastic bottle that's harmful to the earth. I'm just, I'm just saying. saying. Holy fuck. Like, Hippie people in Detroit. It's just the, the argument. Do for what me, you do. <laughs> the argument for me is just, it's crazy to me. Like we're just all over the place. Hey, look, they're trying. Hey, they're trying harder than I am. <laughs> I'm just saying it was awkward. I just, I, I pick, when I picture people. It shouldn't be awkward. When I picture folks that are really trying to live that lifestyle, I just feel like you're either all in or you're not. You know, like, it's like a vegan going to get a steak every Saturday without people looking. I don't know. I don't know. It was just, it was just a thing for me. I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, it was just like, (laughs) like, but that, I think, honestly, I got to say, I think that's where I appreciate this conversation with Mark the most. It's like, he was just in the middle of it all. He was there. He went to see it for himself without judgment. And he, and he created, you know, some solutions to problems. And I, I just really appreciate that. And I was happy to talk with him. But it definitely his some of his comments and stuff definitely got me thinking about, you know, how we live our lives on this fucking planet. Like, you know, like maybe in my own ways trying to take on some of these things that they do, like hiking and all these things. You know, I love how he said how therapeutic it is. I completely 
know how that feels yeah. because I'm a runner and here in Utah, it's like you're surrounded by beautiful views and I could keep going if I didn't have any kids to pick up or errands to run. Like I could just keep going yeah, because so. to me, that's, that's, there's a, um, there's a calm, I guess. And it's like, you feel at peace. I don't, I don't peace. People could call that spiritual or, you know, just being out in nature and achieving whatever you set out to do that day. Yeah. You know, but I, it, I can't even describe the feeling like that's, that's my happy place when I go. It's too cold to do it now. Well, So, I mean, I definitely, (laughs) you know, you know me, like you remember I've been on kind of a weird journey with some stuff, right? Remember in Oki before I went to Iraq, I was like the, remember the into the wild Chris McCandless stuff? Yeah. I was like, what an idiot. It's so stupid, right? Like I used to say. Yeah. And then like when I, by the time I got to HMX, I had a hundred million times reversed my position and was like, this is amazing. And I'm, I'm starting to it's feel inspiring. that. It's starting to feel some of that again. Like Robbie and Mark have sort of inspired me to maybe With, start yeah. taking up some of the hiking the and stuff keep, and, and yeah. trying to do some Warriors Keep stuff here in Utah. And I, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I'm kind of excited about it. I used to tell my Marines all the time, like, Yo, I don't look at like tall mountains and think like, fuck, I want to climb to the top of that. I didn't yeah. used to do that. And I still, I don't know if I really do, but um, I don't know. I'm interested. I feel like if you went out and did something like that, your perspective would change. Probably would, yeah. You, the feelings that you would have, you wouldn't know unless you would go do it. it was you the same, know? Like, I, like I could just say that for people with golf, like people mock golf or used to mock golf. And I'm like, all right, dude, let's go. Come and play. And their, their tune changes real quick when they realize how challenging it actually is, you know. It'll be the same for me, I think, when I start hiking and, you know, do some of that stuff. But I don't know. It's uh, something I'm really interested in, that's for sure. And trying to be a better steward of Mother Nature, if you will. What do you think, Boo? Yeah. Are you with me? Hey, we recycle now. Yeah, they didn't do it where we used to live. Or they did, but you have to pay extra. Like a lot extra. Well, I'm more willing, I think, to pay extra now. But it's whatever. We going to hike or what? Me and the kids will. Well, I'm ready, I think. We've been doing it. (laughs) Kind of doing it. We go on runs. (laughs) I'm allergic to running. You don't have to run. You could bike or walk. It makes my skin itch. That's the dehydration, but I just associate running with itchy skin and allergies that you don't have i also do okay if i perceive it i have it that's the world we live in today oh maybe you should put your ego away i don't have an ego marine corps took that from me a long time ago hard eye roll (laughs) that's what that was (laughs) all right my boo okay Got anything else? Nope. Just waiting for the next 18-ish hours to go by. So I would recommend anybody jump on Instagram, find find Mark Sanderson. He's a yogi. He's a I yoga love that. And hiking and uh, all these different therapeutic things with his family. So shout out to Mark for joining us. Thanks. Hope to have you back. And uh, everybody give them a follow. Follow Warriors Keep. These guys are, Mm -hmm. I'm starting to realize there's a ton of them, and they're awesome. So give those guys a look. Maybe uh, reach out to them. Hey, if you're already hiking, maybe uh, set something up with them. As always, thanks for listening. 
hope you hope you come back for the next one. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Have a safe holiday. Have safe holidays. Travels. Travels. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink. Look at my wife just breaking the safety. It's about. Down. It's about. Look at you go. People do stupid shit during the holidays. <laughs> Stand at attention. I'm just saying. The wife is given a safety brief. Don't be stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun and enjoy whoever you're with. Proud of you.